Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to another Frankie Sense and More. It is March, the end of March, March 30th, and we are going to do some reviews and some updates for you on, on the movies of this past month that we, that Brent saw. That, that sounds <laughs> good to me. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a look at some really good ones, actually, so let's, let's just take it away. So it's good to see everybody once again. Uh, right now, we're in between movie seasons. We just had award season ending, and we've got summer movie blockbuster season starting in about a month. So we're at a time when the pickings are a little bit slim. However, the one thing that is always kind of good about this time of year is that it's a really good period in which to check out some of the movies that are a little bit slow to release generally, and that usually involves documentaries and foreign films. So that's what we're going to be focusing on exclusively today, because those are really the best things that are out there right now. So for starters, uh, we have a documentary that was nominated for Best Documentary Feature at the Oscars, and it's called All That Breathes. And this is an absolutely beautiful film that tells the story of two brothers in New Delhi who run a bird rescue service for the uh, those that are injured and uh, suffering from the ill effects of the air quality in the city, which is apparently so bad that <clears throat> the birds will sometimes just drop out of the sky because their their lungs are so contaminated. Um, these are called kites, these birds. Yes, black kites. And um, there's, they're there in, in fairly large numbers, and they also serve a very valuable purpose in terms of being... Uh, an integral part of the ecosystem for helping to eat some of the vermin and so forth and run the streets there. Um, this is a real story of commitment. Um, these brothers have been doing this since 2003. Uh, they had a colleague who joined them in 2017. So it's really the three of them that are working at these days. And in that time, they saved 20,000 birds. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing in terms of the level of commitment that they have to their work. Uh, they've essentially converted a large portion of the building that they live in as a bird hospital. And uh, just seeing the level of commitment, care, nurturing, love that they bring to this is, is so inspiring and astounding. It, it is. And they're self-taught veterinaries. They're self-taught. Yes. So there's no program for aviary veterinary um, medicine in India. And they self-taught. I mean, it's absolutely amazing the love that and, they, and the the just the respect that they have for the bird and and the way that they hold them. And you can see like they just care. And also the, the lengths that they'll sometimes go to to rescue um, birds that are apparently ill or injured, like crossing bodies of water to take the birds, you know, from the position where they're trapped and take them back to the animal hospital so that they can take care of them, nurture them back to health. This is a, a really a wonderful film in so many respects. 
and you know and oh absolutely gorgeously filmed especially the close-ups of the birds are just stunning yeah uh, i mean really just beautiful cinematography um but most importantly i think that the one of the messages of this film is it shows that we're all connected you know man and animal and that we need to have a mutual respect for everybody and everything that resides within our environment because we all really ultimately depend upon one another in the long run. Absolutely. And in a city that's really beset by so many problems from uh, environmental quality to growing levels of civil unrest, one might think, well, who cares about the birds at a time like this? But they do, and they make it work, and they make sure that our feathered friends get the care that they deserve, because we would certainly think that if a human suffered those kinds of injuries, of course we should get it. Well, they figure why not with them too. Yeah. And you know, yeah. when you think about it, if a bird is falling out of the sky due to pollution, what is it, what is it happening down on the ground? When are we going to fall down? Yes. Pollution. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it was in 2014, the World Health Organization declared that New Delhi had the worst air quality on the planet. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really pretty astounding given the fact that this is, uh, the world's second largest metropolitan area. Yeah. Um, 11 million in the city and 17 million more in the surrounding area. So it's a, a pretty concentrated group of people. I think it was interesting too that when the first time you went to get a bird help, they, they didn't want to do it because it was a carnivore, you yeah. know, and, and it was a, a predator bird and probably more that it was a predator bird. But, you know, I know here when the eagles had a problem with the environment because they eat the fish and they eat animals on the land, they really noticed the environment, how the environment affects people too, because they were dying and getting sick from the ocean and getting sick from the land. And Absolutely. that's a real problem for all of us. Absolutely. I mean, this is, this movie really draws attention to a lot of issues more than just the birds themselves to help make us aware that if we're going to really protect our planet, we better get serious about it and do it. And that includes doing things that you might not necessarily think are the most immediately pressing issues, but that have an impact nevertheless. Yeah. Uh, and I was really glad to see this film receive the widespread attention that it did. It certainly helped with all the awards um, nominations that it received. I mean, it, it got a lot of attention and it's, uh, it's available now for streaming on the, uh, the HBO Max streaming service. So it's it's something that's pretty easy to access at this point. Yeah. And um, for its efforts, uh, I give this movie four stars. I agree, 100%. Now, in, the, in, a, in a similar vein, our next documentary is another Oscar nominee for Best Feature, Documentary Feature, uh, and that's called A House Made of Splinters. So. And this is a movie that will tug at the heart in so many different ways. Uh, it will definitely bring a warm smile to your face in some cases, and in other cases, it will just absolutely tragically want to make you cry. It tells the story of an orphanage, a, a temporary transitionary orphanage, located uh, in eastern Ukraine, not too far from the front lines of the Donbass conflict. And it's a place where kids go to when they're sort of awaiting uh, a decision about what their future dispensation is going to be when they go back to their parents or they get put into um, uh, 
the homes of other relatives or put up for adoption, things like that. It absolutely is just mind blowing in terms of the effort that the people who run this place go through. And it's also interesting to see the reactions of the kids because you see the whole spectrum of reactions and responses to what their circumstances are, both in terms of what they see for themselves and how they end up relating to other kids. Uh, it's, it's really quite sad to see how many kids have been put in this position in Ukraine, not just because of the war, because actually this was filmed before the Russian-Ukrainian conflict started, uh, but it was there was certainly was impact with the the civil war that was going on in Eastern Ukraine at the time, uh, but also just a lot of the domestic issues that a lot of the kids in this film had to deal with, broken families, parents who were um, you know dealing with substance abuse, particularly alcohol, and just to see how much the kids are trying to cope with this, and in some cases also just how realistic a perspective they have on their circumstances that you would think that someone that young might not have. Yeah. They're really self-aware in terms of what they're up against and what they want to try to do, you know, to get a better life for themselves as, as they, you know, grow up. Um, this is um, really an emotional roller coaster in many ways when watching this film. I was um, I was a little bit um, curious to see this film when I first started watching it. I thought, how could they really make a compelling film out of a story like this, you know, for two hours? But they did a fine job of it. I mean, absolutely, it pulls you in and keeps you there as all these different stories play out in terms of seeing how these kids are, you know, fairing yeah and you really have a, a concern for how they're going to make out ultimately in the long run with what they're up against yeah and through it all though kids are still always kids you know they find that moment to be just a child and play and be a kid let it all go away for a little bit yeah very very sad and it does a really good job of addressing those issues all the way around yeah uh, it, it it would be interesting to know more what has happened since the war with Russia started. There is a small brief tagline uh, that's attached at the end saying that they were evacuated uh, because they thought that they were, keeping them there was really going to be too difficult on them. Yeah. But we we really don't know anything further than that from, uh, from what the film has to offer. Uh, it would be, I, I would think, would think at some point that a follow-up would be definitely worthwhile to see how the kids fared throughout all this. Absolutely, yeah. Now we could reach out so, to the director. Uh, so this is another fine film. It's available for streaming. And I give it another another one that I give four out of five stars. There you go. All right. So now changing tracks a little bit, going on to our foreign films. Uh, the first one that we have, uh, well, okay, we'll start with this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Do I have <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> uh, the first one, that, The Blue Captain, this is a movie that just absolutely uh, leaves me stunned why this has not received wider attention than it has. 
This is probably one of the best movies that I've seen, not just last year, but in a number of years. Uh, it tells the story of a tailor shop in Morocco. It's owned by a husband and wife. And the um, they've developed quite a reputation for their work, so much so that they have a hard time keeping up with the orders. So they bring aboard an apprentice, a young apprentice, to help them out. And the relationship between the apprentice and the tailor shop owner begins to become a little more involved than just professional. Uh, for a long time, yeah, for a long time, apparently the husband has had kind of a wandering eye when it came to um, his um, to men. Uh, yeah, he's, he's he likes men. Yeah. Um, and his wife knows that, but hasn't really said anything. But now that the apprentice is there, it starts to make like things a little more complicated yeah. than they've had before. And and that's that's also made even more complicated by the fact that she is ill and getting worse. But interestingly enough, she starts to have some revelations about what's going on to think that well, if my health declines so far, I really still want my husband to have somebody there for him. And she can see how much the apprentice is willing to help him out. And as the story progresses, how much the apprentice is willing to help her out as well. So you have this beautiful love story develop among these three people. And it's just positively gripping in terms of its emotional level. Beautifully filmed, well acted, gorgeous score, uh, beautiful shots of the clothing that they are working on, particularly as the title implies, a blue caftan. Uh, I, I was really blown away by this when I saw it. Um, it. It played here in Chicago at the Chicago Film Festival last year, but I didn't get a chance to see it, so I had to wait till it got into distribution. And that wasn't until late February, and it was only in theaters for a week. Oh, my God. And then disappeared. And I thought, why is this not getting more attention than it is? I just hate that. I mean, we talk about this all the time, but they're like stupid hours or not enough time to go see it. Like they just I don't know. Like and and yet you'll put some stupid movie in 20 different cinemas at the same mm -hmm. time. Right. Like, I, I don't understand it. They, they you know, there are people out there that want to see these films. There are. And they should. Well, and the other that. the other thing, too, is that, I mean, considering the 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 crop of foreign films that got nominated for awards during award season. I mean, there were some good ones there, but this one, to my opinion, was far and away the best. And I'm just astounded that it didn't get more attention than it did. I saw I saw a, a comment on, on YouTube um, and it said, did I just see Morocco's first gay film? <laughs> <laughs> it well, it's, I mean, it is, it's a very, you know, risky subject. Oh yeah, especially there. Coming, you know, coming out of a, a country like that, especially yeah. when when it, it depicts how gay men actually meet other gay men. Yeah. In, in that part of the world. Yeah. Uh, it's very clandestine, very hush hush. Uh, but it's I can tell you also from having had a former partner from that part of the world, it's also a, a lot more common than most people are aware of. Um but the uh even though you know there's these these affairs going on behind the wife's back, you can also tell that there is a very genuine love between the husband and the wife here, just if it isn't even necessarily as physical as she would like, yeah. you know. 
Um, but I, I really was just absolutely blown away by this movie. Uh, keep the hankies handy because you will need them. I mean, I, I was teary-eyed in the theater when I watched this. Uh, I absolutely loved it, and I recommend it highly. It's going to be available on home media starting in mid-May. Okay. So I'm assuming that streaming will probably come at about the same time. So you, you might have to wait just a little while before you get a chance to see it. But when you do, I recommend it very highly. And I give it five stars. Woo, five. Yeah, I don't give fives very often, but I do for this one. All right. Okay, we're going to The Quiet Girl. Yes. Next, we have uh, another film that was nominated for an Oscar. This is from Ireland called The Quiet Girl. And this is a, a very simple story set in the early 80s. It tells the story of a young girl who's living with parents who are basically ignoring and neglecting her uh, and reaches a point where they really just don't feel like dealing with her anymore. So she's uh, shuttled off to live with relatives. And she ends up going through a transformation while living in this new household because she begins to experience love and attention to a degree that she had never really experienced before. What's more, uh, she also helps to fill the void in the household of the relatives in which she's staying because they had suffered a tragedy that uh, they had a hard time recovering from, but her presence there helps them to heal from their circumstances as well. Um, it's beautifully shot. It's got a gorgeous background score. It's well acted. It's interesting in the fact that it's a film that's largely, um, the dialogue is largely in Gaelic Irish, uh, which is part of the reason why it qualified as an international film. Um, and it, but it's it's really you know fairly simple and it's it's got a nice message. It's tender, it's sweet. The one thing that I, I had a little bit of a problem with though is the fact that because this is based essentially on a, a short work of fiction, a novella, um, the, the material is a little thin and that's really something I can't fault it for. It's just kind of the nature of the way the story that was drawn from was written. So it's a, it's a comparatively short film um, and it's kind of a little bit on the predictable side. And also there's a lot of what I would call cinematic padding, uh, a lot of beautiful nature shots and emotive close-ups and things like that. And that, that's, that's all well and good, but I mean, it doesn't really add all that much to the story beyond what you already get going in. So I wouldn't say it's um, disappointing by any means. You know, certainly the messages that come through this are loud and clear and important, but I wouldn't raise it to the level of masterpiece that a lot of viewers and critics have done. So uh, I, I recommend it, but I'm giving a little bit of a caution saying, don't be disappointed if you're not blown away by the hype that's been given because I don't know if it quite rises to that level. Um, but it still is a, a tender, touching film worth watching, um, especially on a small screen. I think this is something that really benefits more from a, a up close and personal, intimate um, means of viewing than say from the big screen. I don't really know that seeing it on a big screen adds all that much to it. So. Um, I liked it. It's a debut feature from the director who's Irish. And I, I think he's got a lot of potential. <laughs> Excuse me. But um, I think this is a, 
uh, kind of a training ground in some ways for him to kind of work out how he wants to put his movies together. So I, I say, you know, once again, I would recommend it. I would give it three and a half stars. Is that a moose or a, or a donkey on your shirt? It's a moose. <laughs> yes, I got this shirt in Maine, so I have one of the Maine mooses on there. So. Okay, gotcha. That's funny. All right. Okay. And then our, our last new film uh, is one that comes from Israel uh, called Let It Be Morning. And this is another one that's got kind of a curious story behind it. It was made in 2021, and it is just now coming out. Um, I was wondering if the pandemic might have had something to do with the delayed release, but then again, it was filmed after the, the peak, you know, of the of the pandemic. So I don't know what the delay was with its release, but in any event, um, this is an interesting and somewhat complicated story that tells, um, examines a, a family wedding in a small Palestinian town in rural Israel. And everybody's having fun and enjoying themselves at the wedding. But when the main person, the main character, goes to leave with his family, uh, and he's anxious to get out of there because he's now living in Jerusalem and living a fairly cosmopolitan life, when he gets to the edge of the town, there's a roadblock. And there are Israeli soldiers there basically saying, well, the road's closed. You're going to have to go back to the town. And when he asks how long is this going to be, they, they can't give him any kind of an answer. So he ends up going back to the town for what he thinks is just going to be the overnight. Yeah. But that whole story gets stretched out. And before you know it, uh, they lose cell phone service and then they lose electricity and then they lose water and the grocery shelves begin emptying. And it's almost as if they're trapped within this town with no answer in terms of when they're going to be able to leave. And in many respects, um, it's sort of a parable for the situation that a lot of the Palestinians face within Israel in terms of the way they're cordoned off into certain segments. So the film is making a definite political statement. But it's interesting also in the fact that when everybody is in this town waiting for the road to open, they're in a position where they've got time on their hands and they begin reflecting on their own circumstances. And they begin to realize that there are many things going on in their lives individually that have trapped them in a prison almost the same way as the, the, the whole community is trapped by this roadblock. So it's, it's a film that deals with the idea of coming to terms with and assessing the, the prisons that trap us, which, as the film reveals, are also self-made. And the question is, how long and how willing are you to pre to put up with circumstances like that? Um, There's a funny yeah. film too. It's humorous. Sorry? There's been a humor in this film. Yeah, that's the other thing is, you know, you would think that given the circumstances that you would be a place where people would be very embittered by what they're going through. But there's a lot of very gentle, subtle humor and satire that runs through this picture that is not expected at all. Even the yeah. guitar with the peace sign on. I mean, I think he's funny. It's funny. <laughs> um, the, the other thing I like about this is that it really paints a picture of the Israeli-Palestinian situation that's more detailed than most people, I think, are really aware of outside of Israel. 
Uh, it, it shows that it's not some monolithic us versus them situation completely. There's a lot of nuances within it in terms of um, some Palestinians not liking other Palestinians and things like that. And this film brings all that to the surface. So it's it's a really very telling and revealing picture on a variety of levels, not just in terms of the individual characters and what they're going through, but also the larger society in which they're living. And I, I really enjoyed it. This was, again, another one that it played here in Chicago for a week, you know, and then just completely vanished. Um, but thankfully, this one is available for streaming now. Uh, and it's also available on home media if people want to get a DVD or something like that. Uh, I recommend it if you're looking for a movie that works on multiple levels and has a really tremendous amount of substance to it uh, that you wouldn't necessarily think would be there just by getting the initial uh, glimpses of the start of the film. Uh, I liked it a lot, and I would give this one four stars. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So we, we had some really great films. Yeah, you know this month. So uh, go go news. see them. Now, in the in the recent weeks, I've also been attending the Chicago European Union Film Festival at the Gene Siskel Film Center, and there's some uh, some really good films that came out of this one. They're still at the at the festival level at this point, so maybe a while before you see them. But then again, you know some of them, like this one that's just come up on the screen, uh, Exodus. It's a film from Sweden. It just opened in theaters like uh, in Sweden like two weeks ago, and it's already here, which usually those kinds of transitions don't happen that quickly. Yeah. Um, but this is a very uh, tender, charming story that's also got road trip buddy movie elements to it. It's also got action adventure sequences to it, thriller sequences. Tells the story of a young Syrian girl who's seeking to escape uh, all the trouble going on in her homeland by joining her family who has gone on ahead to live in Sweden. And on the first leg of her journey going from Syria to Turkey, as soon as she steps off the shipping container in Turkey, there's a raid by Turkish immigration officials. So she has to run for her life to escape. And she ends up getting in touch with one of the uh, smugglers who helped to arrange all this. And they form a very odd couple, you know, the smuggler and this little kid in terms of wanting to continue the journey the rest of the way to Sweden. Because she says, well, you know, look, my dad's wealthy. He'll be able to pay you a lot of money. And he buys that. And, you know, off they go. Um, in many ways, this is a film reminiscent of a picture we reviewed last month, The Swimmers. I was going to say that. It reminds me yeah. of The Swimmers. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one is fictional. It's not, it's not biographical the way the other one was. Yeah. <clears throat> but in many ways, I think this is a better made film. Partly because uh, it's combined so many different elements into one picture and it's weaved them together so seamlessly that you're never going to be bored by it. I mean, this just keeps your attention, you know, through and through because it's got, you know, heart touching emotional moments and it's got humor and it's got the, you know, the action going on with it. I mean, it's really, it combines an awful lot of stuff. So, Given the fact that this has already made it to the festival circuit, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody picks it up here and it becomes available for general release not too far from now. And I, I would say go see it. This is 
This was my favorite film from the festival. Oh. I gave it four, four and a half stars. Okay. All right, let's go to the next one. That sounds really good. Um, next, uh, I think we missed one in between. We can go back to it. Uh, which one was it? Um, Caleb. Uh, no, okay. Stay here. We'll stay at Caleb. Uh, okay. Uh, Caleb, this is a film from Estonian, and this is a sports drama. It tells um, the efforts of the Estonian national basketball team uh, in their efforts to compete in the last of the Soviet Union national basketball championships. Uh, they were an underdog going in, but they had a lot of heart. They believed that they could do it. And it was at the time when the Baltic states, like Estonia, were beginning to pull away from the Soviet Union. So there was a lot of national pride issues on the line as well. Um, in many ways, like a lot of other sports dramas, you know, it's kind of, it's a little bit on the predictable side. I mean, you know pretty much what's going to happen as the movie's playing out. But the way it's shot, it just, you know, draws you into it. The basketball sequences, you feel like you're in the middle of the game. And that's that's very hard to do, but it's done very well here. And, um, you know, it's inspiring. It's uh, motivating. You know, uh, a lot of things that typically come with the, with the underdog sports story type film. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And um, I give this one three and a half stars. Okay. All right. So which which one did we miss? I think we missed uh, Fathers and Mothers. Oh, OK. All right. Is that next on your list or? I think it might be. Things got a bit no. step. Maybe not. Uh, no, I must have missed it. I do have it though. So hang on. Okay. We can add it. Oh, we can, we can talk about orchestra. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, orchestra is a, a film from Slovenia uh, that tells the story of a of local brass band that goes on a tour to rural Austria. And as the tagline says, what happens on tour stays on tour. Well, this is very much a what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas kind of story. Uh, it's a collection of interlaced vignettes involving the members of the band. And it also has a sequence where it examines um, life back in the village where they came from when the when the, the group is on tour. Um, it's... Um, <laughs> there you go. It's it's it features moments of drama. It features moments of humor. Um, it it definitely lives up to the what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas sort of idea, uh, and it, it provides some you know prime examples of adults behaving badly as it comes down to it. Uh, I enjoyed this one primarily as sort of a guilty pleasure. It's it's not exactly one of the things where it's going to be inspiring um, behavior that you want to emulate or anything like that. But it is fun, and uh, it's it's a good time at the movies. So um, you know, get a chance to see it, go see it. Yeah, I, you know, uh, like, you should have a good time. Yeah. Oh, and well, they know how to do it. That's that's one thing that's for sure. I mean, 